Welcome to Behind the Curtain, LA Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. In this podcast, Associate Chorus Master Jeremy Frank explores classic operatic holiday tunes in an episode of Opera Happy Hour. If you're ready for an opera happy hour, sip and sing along with Jeremy as he plays favorites from La Boheme and Deflator Mouse with a festive Manhattan in hand. For an even more participatory experience, head over to the video linked in the description and enjoy. This episode originally aired in December 2020. Hi, happy holidays, and welcome to a very special edition of Opera Happy Hour. When I think of classical music that we hear around the Christmas time, of course my mind jumps to The Nutcracker by Pyotr Tchaikovsky, which is admittedly a ballet. But if we keep ourselves within the world of opera, Giacomo Puccini's La Boheme and Johann Strauss's Die Fledermaus are also perennial holiday favorites. One of my favorite things about you, the Opera Happy Hour crowd, is just how diverse you are. Some of you are opera singers or other kinds of musicians, but so many of you out there are total civilians. We thought it might be fun to add a little bit of a twist. When Evan and I travel on vacation, we love to seek out piano bars in the cities that we're visiting. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a piano bar, but the theater historian John Kenrick says that a piano bar is a hybrid creature. It's part performance space, part living room, part cruise-a-thon, and part saloon. Well, for our purposes, we are going to be 100% living room, 100% saloon, and 100% performance space. I'm so excited to officially join the ranks of entertainers like Billy Joel, Andrea Bocelli, and the minimalist composer Terry Riley, who have all logged some pretty serious hours being lounge lizards. In fact, Terry Riley wrote that piano bars offer a near-religious experience with a group of urban chanters who sing on the themes of love and existence with a medicine man at an altar-like piano surrounded by his boozy crowd. That pretty much sounds like our party to me. Now, you may know that piano bars are getting harder and harder to find, and this pandemic certainly hasn't helped that at all. So perhaps for the first time in history, we are going to transform our living room into an operatic piano bar where I play the best operatic holiday tunes. If you don't happen to know anything about opera, don't be scared off. You can join Evan enjoying a cocktail and some bar nibbles and just take the whole thing in. Because Evan really loves throwing holiday parties, he got creative and created this beautiful holiday variation on a classic Manhattan. He started with three parts of bourbon, then substituted the customary one part of vermouth with Amaro Nonino, which tastes like the warm spices of gingerbread, and then he substituted cardamom bitters uh, for the usual Angostura bitters. He garnished this drink with uh, fresh cranberries, luxardo cherries, and a sprig of fresh rosemary. Now, if you prefer something else like eggnog, hot buttered rum, or even champagne, you do you. But I will be using this beauty right here to raise a toast to a much better year ahead. Cheers. 
Three of our four excerpts tonight come from Puccini's La Boheme, which is one of the most perfect holiday operas. As it turns out, La Boheme is not only one of the first operas that I ever learned in its entirety, but it also happens to be the first opera that I ever came to work on at LA Opera, just before Christmas in 2007. I love La Boheme, largely because it is one of the most beautifully economical and dense stories ever told through music. There's almost no single wasted measure of music, and there's nothing that feels extraneous. And one of the biggest reasons that La Boheme is so popular during the holiday season is because the first two acts of the opera in their entirety are literally set on Christmas Eve. We're going to focus on the first half of the opera, which is a beautiful story of romance, and we'll leave the sad and tragic ending for another time. In Act 1, we meet two bohemians, that is to say, artistic types, who live a passionate but totally hand-to-mouth existence. They meet and fall in love almost immediately. One of them, Rodolfo, is a writer and poet, and he is spending his Christmas Eve half-heartedly finishing an article for the third-rate newspaper that he works for, when suddenly he hears a knock on the door. It is the charming and beautiful Mimi who lives upstairs from him. Her candle has gone out in her drafty apartment, and she asks Rodolfo to light it for her again. Now, press pause for a second, because if you are a musical theater fan and you think, hey, this sounds exactly like the story of Rent, you're totally right. This is actually the story of Rent. Anyway, Rodolfo lights Mimi's candle, and she's just about to leave when she realizes that she's lost her key somewhere in Rodolfo's apartment. He supposedly tries to help her find it, but in fact, he sneakily blows out both of their candles as a pretense to keep talking to her and getting to know this woman that he's quickly falling in love with. What ensues is 20 minutes or so of the most romantic opera you could ever possibly see. In so many ways, it's like being on an operatic first date. First Rodolfo, then Mimi sings an aria, sharing their hopes and dreams with each other. Even if you don't speak a lick of Italian, somehow the music seems to perfectly capture the two of them, at turns shy, then open, genuine and becoming more and more daring. For me, the magic of meeting the person you are destined to love is perfectly captured. It's as if everything is happening spontaneously, and yet there's no other way that fate could have unfolded. If this story and its music is so perfect, you may be asking yourself, hey Jeremy, why did you wait nearly nine months to play something from this show? Well, as it turns out, Mimi, the character, suffers from tuberculosis, and she's destined to die from it. At the time that this opera was written, TB affected as many as one in seven people alive on the planet, and before the advent of penicillin, there was no treatment and no cure. It's true that some people lived with tuberculosis for several years, but just as frequently, they would die suddenly. In so many ways, this story felt way too close to home given the illness that is right now ravaging our country and the world for me to be interested in any way to explore this gorgeous score. 
But now, it seems safe enough to delve into the emotional lives of these characters. So, we'll start that journey now with the two famous back-to-back -back arias where our two young lovers meet for the first time. Whether you decide to sing along or not, I hope that you'll feel just as swept away by the promise of young love that these two characters feel, particularly with the magic of the holiday framing their first kiss. I'll sing these first two arias the way that they occur in the show, one right after the other. Joy, I need 
Renarare, sono la sua vicina che la vien fuori d'ora ed importunare. In Act Two of La Boheme, Mimi and Rodolfo leave his apartment and go down to the street to join their friends who are celebrating Christmas Eve in the Latin Quarter of Paris at the Café Momus. Festive sights, sounds, and smells are everywhere, and we, the audience, meet a woman named Musetta, one of the most colorful characters in the opera. She is the on-again-off-again girlfriend of Rodolfo's buddy Marcello. He and Musetta have recently split up yet again, but she decides to make a very public scene to pique Marcello's jealousy, overwhelm his better judgment, and essentially win him back. This very famous aria, often referred to as Musetta's Waltz, is really a tremendously unpredictable piece of music, where the tempo dangerously speeds up and then sensuously slows down, perfectly capturing in music Musetta's complete control over the man she has conquered. You've certainly heard this tune before in film, on TV, and in commercials, so feel free to channel your inner femme fatale and sing along. Ah! <laughs> 
I'd like to end with a musical toast to Champagne from the second act finale of Johann Strauss's Die Fledermaus. There's really no need at all to go into any of the plot of this charming and light-hearted opera, but I might just mention that Die Fledermaus is actually an operetta, and not really an opera. In Italian, this word literally means a little opera, and it simply refers to a specific genre of light opera that includes spoken dialogue and popular-sounding songs and dances. Everything about operetta is cute-sized. The orchestra is smaller, the pieces are less long, and the subject matter it usually avoids serious subjects and can be downright silly. In many ways, operetta is the forerunner of Broadway musicals, and though I don't know exactly why this piece originally became a tradition for opera companies to do uh, around New Year's, you really can't swing a dead cat or a dead bat, for that matter, without hitting a production of Die Mouse in December. This particular musical number um, usually has lots of verses, like three, and sometimes they add extras. I'm going to do one very brisk, very quick, uh, very toast-filled uh, verse. It sounds a little something like this. There's joy in wine abiding, tra-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Sorrow and care deriding, tra-la-la-la-la-la-la. It drowns all melancholy, and people become jolly. So it would be our folly to pass you up by golly. Fill up, fill up to the brim of all your glasses. The wine that all surpasses, the wine that all surpasses. Fill up, fill up, fill up. So fill up your glass and link with me, clink with me, drink with me. Here's to the friend and foe of thirst, to King Champagne the first. Yes, fill up your glass and link with me, clink with me, drink with me. Here's to the friend and foe of thirst, to King Champagne the first. Usually, as the year draws to a close, I sort of um, take some time to take stock of what has happened over the course of the past year, and often that ends up being counting the number of operas that I've worked on and how many performances I've done. I'm really thankful for all of the opportunities to learn, to grow, uh, to continue to make music, um, to continue to teach, all of those things. Anyway, uh, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy everything. Um, happiness wherever you can find it. And I hope that you stay healthy and very happy. I look forward to seeing you in the New Year's. And cheers. You've been listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, you'll want to make sure you don't miss an episode. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Remember to share with your friends on your favorite social media, and we'll see you at the opera.